And we are officially live for episode eight of the First Strike Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at FaceToFaceGames.com. I'm your host, KYT. Now, before we officially start, I just want to remind everyone that you can subscribe to this show with any podcast app by searching First Strike Podcast. And if you want to watch us live, we're currently streaming on YouTube every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. The YouTube channel is Mana Deprived TV, so just do go to YouTube.com slash Mana Deprived TV. We got a huge show ahead of us, huge news. I mean, we had some major news before this weekend between recording the shows with the announcement of new cards and potential new combos that changed prices dramatically. And then we were hit with a big one today. So thankfully, we do our shows at Monday nights. So you get to hear our thoughts. And because it's such a big night, I decided to invite the full regular cast, at least. So we've got Brian, Doug, and Rob. Wave to our fans. Guys, we're going we're gonna to have Brian for, for the banning part of this show because I feel it's just such a huge topic, and I really don't want people to wait for the next episode to see what Brian thinks. So to start us off right away today on the Mothership, this, the, they released the new bannings for Standard. We'll start with Standard first. Effective date, January 20th, 2017. On Magic Online, it's going to be effective Wednesday, the 11th already. So um, if you still want to play Smuggler's Copter, you've got a small window. <laughs> um, so the list goes, Emrakul, the Promised End is banned. Smuggler's Copter is banned. And finally, Reflector Mage is banned. So we're just going to jump into what we each think about the list of cards that were banned. So let's start with you, Rob. Yeah, so, um, okay, I guess generally, I we talked about this a few weeks ago, I don't agree with standard bannings unless things are, like, actually out of control. Um, so I, I, I disagree with them banning these cards, but I can understand justifications for why uh, the list looks the way it is after seeing it. I think if you would ask anyone, like, what do you think is getting banned? And that was pretty much the consensus on Twitter and other social media. Um, if they saw this list and you're like, hey, this is the list that's going to be uh, revealed tomorrow, they, they would have laughed at you and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, given it is what it is, um, I think Emrakul makes sense uh, just because people don't like losing to that card. And I think Watsi strongly feels that this card is detracting from tournament, tournament attendance uh, in store for standard play. And that's why people are reaching out to formats like uh, Frontier. So they're trying to pull people back in by giving them what they want, which is not losing to uh, Emrakul's uh, round after round. I don't think Emrakul is really the menace that people think it is. Uh, just like I said in, in weeks previous, um, it was being pushed out by Blue White and other like Mardu aggro decks, which you can see on MTG Goldfish, that like, uh, you know, Aetherworks Marvel decks are declining in percentage of the metagame. It's down like almost 10% over the last month. So I don't think anything really needed to be happened uh, in terms of banning, but it's just you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor effect. People don't like playing against this card. People don't like losing to this card. And Watsi's just preemptively banning it to, you know, to come back in and, and play standard because they don't have to worry about losing to Embergle. Copter, this is a banning just purely based on the fact that it reduces uh, diversity in aggro decks. Like, every one of the aggro decks plays Copter and even some of the more, like, aggressive mid-range uh, aggro decks like, uh, like Blue-White Flash. So, I mean, when your red-black deck, your Mardu deck, and your blue-white deck, and even, like, occasionally the green-black aggro deck all have the same 
uh, two drop in it because it's colorless, then that is kind of a cause for concern. Even though I don't think copper is an oppressive card, it does reduce the diversity in deck design because everyone's playing it and now everyone um, is building their deck to take advantage of it and just starts to get a little homogenous there. So I, I disagree with the banning, but I can understand like why they did it just to see if those aggro decks can be shaken up in any way. Um, more on thoughts on, on standard later and why I don't think it's going to have the effect they want, but I, I understand their, their motive. And then the banning for Reflector Mage, uh, this is the weirdest one <laughs> if you look at the list without really thinking about what's going on. And they made this very weird justification of like, well, you know, people really didn't like playing against it when Coco was really strong. So we banned it now. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. I think it's too strong probably in future standard. And uh, the other guys will kind of like talk more about that because they've been looking at some of the lists already and, and why people think that it's that strong. But I think that probably you, maybe Reflector Mage is the only card they really need to get banned. Maybe I would have banned some of the future combo pieces. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird list. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like they probably <laughs> screwed up a lot. <laughs> that, that's what this list shows is that they really screwed up. Doug, is it a weird list to you? Oh, it's such a weird list. I today, you know, finished some of my university classes, messaged my friends, said, hey, what's the band list? Like, like an hour after. And they said the cards. And I was like, are you actually joking? That's the list? I do not understand it. Like, okay, I heard everything like Rob just said there. And, and these are true points. But I don't feel like that's enough to like ban these cards. Like Smuggler's Copter, we're, we just printed Fatal Push to come in and be this like sweet one mana answer to it. And, you know, Emrakul, it didn't even end up winning the Pro Tour this past time around when, you know, Marvel was hugely played and there was it was played in other decks. Like, I don't think that, you know, Emrakul is the massive problem in the format right now, personally. And uh, it's funny because I overheard some locals like, you know, in the PPTQ this weekend talking about how they've been shaving some of the numbers of their Emrakuls in their Marvel decks and trying some different cards too. So I, it's just kind of unfathomable to me that we'd be nailing those two cards. And then on top of that Reflector Mage, like I was really struggling to figure out a good reason. And um, one, you know, Brian uh, brought up, I'll leave for him to talk about if he's interested or later, but it's, maybe it makes sense. But I just, I don't kind of understand the Reflector Mage banning, like, Maybe at first I thought, okay, if you reflect or mage something and it gets bounced back to the hands and then you accidentally misplayed or a guy could cheat because he played it, like that's this thing that's happened before I've seen it, GPs, and it's really annoying. That's not like anywhere in the reasoning. I don't think that's a good reason. I, I'm not behind this. I think Watsi screwed up big time and uh, it feels very reactionary and very um, like they're trying to put a Band-Aid on something without treating the symptoms uh, you know, it just seems like they consistently show us that they don't put in enough effort or thought or clarity, like ahead of time, years ahead of time, months ahead of time when they're testing this stuff. Like it sets a bad precedent too. Oh no, I I don't support this at all. <laughs> and here to defend Watsi, our corporate shill, <laughs> Ryan Gottlieb. How are you going to defend Watsi, my man? I don't think anyone has ever accused me of being a corporate shell for Watsi ever in my life. So I, I would take that. In but I actually am going to defend a couple limited aspects of this announcement. Um, so we, we, we've talked now about, I'll move through each card in kind. We talked about Smuggler's Copter and how it's 
ubiquitous in aggro decks and every aggro deck plays it. Well, what did they think was going to happen? Like a two mana colorless card that's so dramatically undercosted. Obviously, this is going to be played in every aggro deck. If you didn't anticipate that, you shouldn't have printed the card. Like clearly, that's the use of this card. Clearly, it's, it's indisputable that every aggro deck should play this card. So, and the fact that we had um, push coming out to, to deal with Copter, it, it seems like they jumped the gun. I, I think of all the cards they banned, and, and everyone's saying, oh, Reflector Mage doesn't make any sense. I promise you Reflector Mage get, makes sense. We'll get to that in a second. This is the one that doesn't make sense to me. I'm very surprised they took this step because Smuggler's Copter, is it ubiquitous? Yes. Is it in every deck? Yes. But it's kind of like that's what it was supposed to do. It was a flagship mechanic. I don't think it's the play patterns that Copter presents are at all um, troubling. I, I, don't, I don't find myself frustrated with Copter games. I, I think like they're usually still interesting. They're still pretty fundamental magic. Um, now, the next card I want to talk about, Emrakul, I would not say the same thing about. I think that it does lead to unfun uh, game states. Game states where you feel like, Okay, if my opponent ever plays Emrakul, looking at my hand, I will lose this game on the spot, and there's nothing I can do about it. I, I can't restructure it anyway. That being said, uh, I think some of the points are fair that Emrakul may not even be the be-all, end-all of the top end of this format. I, I think that Marvel decks are still going to exist using Ulamog as their finisher. That still seems very good to me, um, in a vacuum anyway, and we'll talk about that some more too, because I see some some interesting things going on with Standard. And why don't I begin to touch on that now, because that's what Reflector Mage is about. You can buy the reason that Watsi is selling you that they had to ban Reflector Mage, because <laughs> like my co-host pointed out, it was good with Coco. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense for banning it in this format. Um, and the other reason that Blue-White Flash is dominant, I'm on a panel right now with some ardent Blue-White Flash supporters. Would you guys ever say that you felt like the deck was the absolute dominant, even as... You know, I know we have different opinions on whether deck is even good. I never, <laughs> felt, I never felt like it was oppressive in the format. Did you feel like you were really that far ahead of the format? Or did you feel like you just had a good deck that you were able to compete with the rest of the field and you liked its play patterns? That's what Blue White always was to me. Is that a fair assessment? I can get by for sure. I think that's fair, but I am slightly, I was very clearly slightly on that. It is the better, the best deck in the format, but it was definitely never by a large margin. I never implied that. Um, I, I, I just I think, think that it was. A good best deck and a healthy best deck, honestly. I think that's a fine conclusion to come to. And I felt differently, but I could see where you get to that point. But the fact that we were able to have different opinions shows that maybe it's not as oppressive as as you would think that uh, you know that where there's a banning all of a sudden. What this banning is actually about is cat combo. And I know that's what everyone was thinking of going into this ban list. First of all, there was no way they were going to preemptively ban this combo. No way. They're they're going to let it play out. Did they build themselves a safety valve? Yes, absolutely. And we'll talk about that safety valve in a little bit. But when you add Reflector Mage to Cat Combo, I want you to think about the play patterns of turn three Reflector Mage, turn four Blink Your Reflector Mage, and bounce another one of the guys. How do aggro decks ever compete with this combo? Ever. There's no possible way they're winning through play patterns like that. And what are you, burning your removal on the Reflector Mages so they can't blink it? Well, now, now you have an infinite combo sitting in play ready to kill you at any point. They just need to play a three mana Planeswalker, which, by the way, they'll probably have mana leak, actual mana leak as backup for when they get to that point. So I, I think that this is absolutely a preemptive ban. This deck would have been dominant at the Pro Tour uh, with Reflector Mage in it. As it stands, 
I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's still dominant. This combo feels way too good for standard. That being said, I understand why it's not preemptively banned. You have to let this play out. And we'll have to see where things go with the Pro Tour. But we're, we're in a weird spot right now. I'm, I understand the Reflector Mage banning. It's the one I'm on board with. And I kind of get the Emrakul one. I, I know that a lot of, you know, kind of their bread and butter FNM players were not happy with game states that involved Emrakul. And I understand where they're coming from, even as kind of a very spiky player. Um, there's a lot of unfun things about Emrakul. It's fine that that went. Copter, I don't get it. You printed a really good answer. I, I think that the format was certainly warped by Copter, but I, I don't think to a point where it was unhealthy. And I think if you had just gotten rid of the other two cards, we could still be in a very interesting place come this Pro Tour. And it kind of showed that um, examples like that banning are not correct, right? Like they banned Wild Nacatl in modern, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago because they thought it reduced deck diversity in aggro decks. And then later unbanned it was like, yeah, I guess it could just be answered by removal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, they've already shown that that, I don't know, it, it's not, it doesn't have the effect that they want. But, well, I mean, if anything, like this, these bannings better increase standard attendance, dr like, drastically, or else it, it's, we're going down a very slippery slope here. And uh, them announcing, like, a second ban date, uh, like, after the Pro Tour, is just another, like, very weird stance to take, saying, like, hey... Um, we hear you, standard players. We know you don't like to think a lot. So um, we're, like, putting in the safety valve just to make sure that if anything looks really hard to try and beat, we'll just, like, ban it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. It's cool. Yeah, it, it's weird. And, like, I'm I'm going to just kind of go down that thread that Brian started, and I will, full disclosure, be putting on the tinfoil hat for a second here just with a couple of these theories. But, uh um, we're talking about, you know, this cat combo and the, the potential future, and that's going to open up a whole other thing. But I think these bannings do have to be considering that. And I have just a couple things that have been floating through my head that I'm trying to, to you know, to think through. And one of them is, you know, this combo that we keep talking about, the cat combo. Um, realistically, it can be answered with a shock. If you shock the opponent and redirect it to see Healy after it's minus, the combo is disrupted. Now, yes. There are ways to stop a shock, and there are ways to have two Sahilis, and I, I understand all of these things, but I'm, I'm just being realistic, you know, uh, and, and shock is not a great card when you're running into Thopters all the time, right? Like, you don't really want that in your deck, um, necessarily, and you don't really necessarily want that in your deck against two threes. The other, you know, this, this one's pure tinfoil hat, but it's kind of just a callback. Um, we were talking about, you know, some new potential... We were talking about his heart of Kieran, and my co-host very clearly was like, well, we're just not going to be playing this card because Copter is just better at the two slot. So I do wonder how much, you know, Watsy thinks about stuff like this. And, and I don't know, um, but they're trying to sell products. Like, this is all marketing. That's what the Pro Tour is, right? So I just wonder, you know, this idea of a shakeup, if there's more to it financially for them, you know, to sell packs. I, I don't know if there is. Um, just something that's kind of rattling in my brain. Hmm. Sweet. Um, I wanted to chime in to, to Brian when you talked about uh, Blue-White Flash that uh, I was really excited. I've been really excited about the deck for a while now. I even uh, sent Rob my list when I was nearing basically 1900 online on MTGO. Uh, but that's because Black-Green Delirium, one of the tougher matchups, had been pushed out of the format by Marvel. And even against Marvel, I don't really feel 
like I have that big of an edge because in game one, you don't have the counter spells to deal with their good Marvel draws. And then some decks can't be faster than you. Some Mardu vehicles start. So I never felt like super advanced, like had this huge advantage against the field. Though a lot of, I could, you know, I could feel the reason behind Smuggler's Copter because uh, like Rob had mentioned in one of the episodes, uh, he feels one of the reasons to ban a card is if you, get the same sort of game experience with certain cards and i do feel like i was killing my opponents the same way with it a lot of the time specter into copter shaping into like the perfect mage slash queller gideon type hand to win the game easily so i could understand uh smuggler's copter being bad now a lot of the questions now that we've talked about our thoughts on what we feel about the list many of our listeners viewers uh, what have you have tweeted at us, have messaged us for our thoughts moving forward for some of the decks. Is Blue-White still a deck? Is what does Black-Green Delirium play instead of Emrakul? Is it still a deck? Can it replace uh, Jabberwocky, the most uh, successful MTGO player for the standard season, suggested Git Rock uh, Monster? I don't know if he was being sarcastic or not. Um, well, Rob, it, it, what do you think about it? Is Blue-White still a deck? Well, what do you think about Blue-White and Black-Green Delirium specifically? Yeah, so I don't think Blue-White is going to be um, a strong contender in the format going forward. And that's just based on the fact that I think that the Jeskai Sahili decks will just be better Blue-White-based decks um, at like controlling the early game, applying a little bit of pressure, and then, like, like Splinter Twin Combo, just keeping you on your toes at all times so that like you have to advance your board state or deal with what they're doing or you're going to die. And once you do, they just jam Sahili or, um, or, the, uh, or the Cub and, and kill you, right? So it's, like a, it's a very annoying play pattern to defend against. And I, I don't know if Standard really has the tools to do it well. Like Doug did mention Shock, but I mean, if you don't have to kill them, right? <laughs> you can just like plus Sahili. They say go. Like what are they going to do? Shock your Sahili down to two? Okay, cool. What are you going to do? Untap and shock Sahili again? Like, that's not, uh, that's not great, right? Um, so I, I think that uh, they can have these play patterns. They can untap with counter magic or something else to, like, protect Sahili or protect the cub or just keep advancing their board, board state, you know, jam Gideon, make a guy, emblem, whatever, you know, jam Avacyn and be like, okay, you know, deal with this. This is, like, where the blue-white deck is, right? Doing these things anyways. Um, you just have Sahili in your deck now. Uh, and it makes it very annoying because your opponent has to always be on edge because if they ever tap out, you just can, you know, jam it or jam the cub and kill them. So um, I think the blue-white, traditional blue-white is is probably dead, um, and it, it'll be almost all Jeskai Sahili deck going forward. Uh, but, sorry. I mean, you could just play Jeskai Sahili KYT. The deck seems like it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> and you probably have most of the cards for the deck anyways. Uh, in terms of green-black, um, I think green-black is probably the deck that's affected the least by this banning, and it might actually um, come out the big winner because it gets to play the good removal in Fatal Push, Grasp of Darkness, Murder, Runus Path, whatever. It gets to play the good creatures still. It still has them. It sells Grimflare, sells Ishkanoth, sells Noxious Gearhulk or Verdus Gearhulk, if that's something you want to you go down. It doesn't need to be messing around with things like Pilgrim's Eye and Catacomb Sifter and all this other nonsense because Copter and Emrakul are banned. I think that you'll see a focus on having four uh, card types in the graveyard. It'll be purely delirium. You won't have like all these extra card types uh, in the deck, like artifacts, uh, trying to really reduce Emrakul's cost to the uh, to the maximum of seven or eight or whatever it, it usually hits in that deck. And I think you have a really good base for like a, a green black mid range deck that is 
based on Delirium, can play Mind Rack Demon, has Grim Flare, has some removal, um, still plays Grapple with the Pass, and just like Liliana and recurs Ishkana until uh, you know your opponent's sick of looking at spiders and, and clogging up the board, and then deals with all these creature-based combo decks and has some disruption with Transgress to, to kind of deal with that. So I think Green Black's in a good place going forward. Um, just like I said on the first podcast, that if you want to invest in a deck for the future, maybe something green black cards, blue white can adjust to to uh, metagame in huge ways. So, bing, uh, I'll leave it to you guys to fill in the rest. <laughs> what do you think, Doug? Okay, so I I honestly think blue white will still be a contender, but it will be very different. Now, this is something I brought up a long time ago is Blue White like has this option to diversify. And um, this weekend, we had two P- PTQs uh, in, in Edmonton, uh, the Saturday and the Sunday, and both of them were won by Blue White, but both of them were this, this new were, I guess I'll say, back from when we really discussed it, like Toolcraft Exemplar, always watching uh, type version of Blue White. And, and this deck, I think, um, could, still be, could still be a deck because it has some of the tools that can deal with a combo in counter spells like disallow and you know getting pressure on your opponent and one cool thing about the the heart of kieran which i do think now looks quite a bit better is it's vigilance so you can then tap it for mana leak um on your opponent's turn uh you know it probably won't be super dominant like the old one was but that's not necessarily a bad thing um i i think that it could have some of the tools that it takes it just will look different it will look more like the uh, old bent human aggro decks, the Thalia's Lieutenant style, which was another card played in this deck that won both of our uh, PP2Qs this weekend. It was the Thalia's Lieutenant. Like, it was more kind of to the ground. And and, and that's different than Blue-White Flash, I know. Um, but I think it's going to kind of morph towards that way just based on the fact that a good way to get under combo, especially without Reflector Mage, which would just, like, be miserable, as Brian pointed out for this deck, where you go, you know, I'm, I'm describing this Toolcraft Exemplar and, like, Thalia's Lieutenant. They're like, okay... Reflector Mage and then one four and Reflector Mage. Like, um, without that, you know, I think this deck could potentially be um, a real thing. I, I agree with everything Rob said, so I don't really need to add too much more about Green Black. Like, um, you know, I think it's going to turn into a more derived control deck rather than this deck that's kind of both control as well as like Emrakul kind of combo y ish. Like, combo is a bad word, but I think you know what I mean. Um, I agree. It's just going to turn into Delirium. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. You know, there's so many other decks that are cropping up and so many other combos that we could talk about in this new set that are going to change change a lot. So uh, I don't know how the lists will look, but I, I still think blue-white is going to be a, a thing. It's just going to look pretty different. All right. Back to our uh, number one Watsi fan. I don't know why I'm go- running with this joke. Uh, Brian, is it too late to speculate what will happen with the major archetypes of uh, the format? I'm sorry. Sorry, I had myself muted because um, I knew I would have an outburst during the last two speakers if I didn't have myself muted. You can speculate all you want. This is so worthless. Like, who cares? We are moving. Like, I don't know if you guys have read this spoiler. We are moving to a very new format. It's not going to look like anything we were playing just last week. Like, things are different now. I believe we're headed towards Combo Winter 2.0. It's not just about this cat combo. If you start looking at some of these paradoxical outcome decks that are starting to float around. Um, decks using Saram, Senior Edificer, um, blinking your bone saws and bone saws and Cathar shields all over the place. These decks are scary and they're doing things that are kind of like fundamentally broken. And then uh, obviously we can talk about cat combo too, which is very much fundamentally broken. It, it wins 
off an empty bat battlefield with just six mana. Like, that's crazy for standard. Two cards, six mana, winning on an empty battlefield, that's real scary. Um, so, so, yeah, these are things that we just haven't, we haven't experienced in standard for a long time. And I think talking about these old archetypes, it, we're just dealing with a whole new world. I'm concerned about this format. I, I, for the first time in a while, I am like, they may have they may have goofed up here. We're dealing with free mana in terms of not only these uh, these spells like Barrel's Expertise that has free mana tacked on, but also with uh, Improvise. We all know, as we're about to talk about in the modern bannings, free mana is the most busted possible mechanic. Um, so now we've got it again in st standard for some reason. I don't know why we keep coming back to this, but here we are. Yeah, I expect to see a, a Pro Tour filled with Cat combo filled with Aether Flux Reservoir decks. Um, I think maybe you can play Cat combo and Aether Flux Reservoir together, possibly. Um, we also have the Wandering Fumeral combo. I don't remember what the 2-2 the tutu is called, but there's a combo with a 2-2. Tutu -tutu if you just activate Wandering Fumeral, can get infinitely big. Uh, so that's another combo. You can slot into these same decks, like all, all these combos in the same blue-based decks. What does that remind you of? Like <laughs> formats with tons of blue-based combo have historically not been the most fun formats. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to waste my time speculating on fair decks like blue, white, green, black. We're, we're headed to a very strange and new future. And I just hope it's safe for us all to play Magic in because we, be, we might be right back here in five weeks talking about some more bannings. We'll see. Rob, I was thinking like, oh, Thalia is like the perfect answer, but then they, they brought back Shock as well. So, <laughs> so much for uh, increasing the amount of Thalias that, that I could play to, to stop the combo. So we'll go straight to, to Modern now. Um, the list uh, goes like this. Gitaxian Probe and Golgari Grave Troll were the Modern bands. And I think one of us, uh, one of you guys predicted uh, Gitaxian Probe. Brian, I think, I think it might have been you that you said. I, I, I think we both talked where we were, we would be okay with Gitaxian Probe. I actually said we should uh, unban all the cards in Modern was my suggestion. <laughs> 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 if you remember, Brian was insane that. Right, yeah. I forgot about that hot take. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was sick that week and missed the cast, and I wasn't even that loopy. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what do you, what, let's start with you first. What do you think about the Modern bands? Okay, so. I'm actually going to give Watsi some props here, you know, because we just dumped all over them. Um, I think that there were some pretty big flaws with Modern. And I'm not going to go as far as to say they fixed all of them, because they didn't, in my opinion. But I think that they made some pretty strong leaps in the right direction by taking a stab at these two cards. And specifically, I think, a card like Gitaxian Probe. Because when you look at a lot of the other cards on the ban list, you're looking at cards... Like we talked about earlier with fundamentally unfun play patterns like Chase the Mind Sculptor or maybe Punishing Fire, like Oppressive Cards or um, Stoneforge Mystic. Maybe we're looking at cards that we think do broken things like uh, Bloodbraid Elf or cards that speed the format up too much like Blazing Shoal or um, Seething Song, right? But here's a card that doesn't really offer you a lot of selection like it kind of theoretically thins your deck a bit and it gives you information which information is very valuable and i will not um say anything against but it just has kind of just warped 
so much of how the game is played based on the fact that you can include it in blue decks and you can include it in non-blue decks and you can learn if the path's open like in an immediate instance while still using all your mana that turn you don't need to tap that blue for peak like old pestermite decks and you know you can shock yourself for death shadow so it, it has this so much versatility it, and it's free mana um which we've talked about just seconds ago free mana is a problem and they got rid of it um and then grave troll you know when they unbanned it i was like okay it's not gonna make a huge impact but then they printed all these crazy cards that let you fill up your graveyard and draw three cards real quick and can reflood the battlefield so i think that rebanding that is good because i'm already hearing some arguments that golgari thug in its spot still makes dredge viable but it's significantly worse and dredge is kind of at this pretty unfun place to be in my opinion where usually when i watch it it's either like the this kind of grindy game where you just hit this like nut turn one or two and just your whole graveyards on the on the battlefield in this long line and it's hard to watch and so so i'm pretty happy with both of those bannings the only thing i will say just to kind of sum to close is i think they missed one card and that's uh, become immense um i that was kind of my position i wasn't on the cast where it got really discussed in length but you know, these are two cards that I could get behind banning alongside Become Immense as well. But I do have to give him props for taking these two cards out personally. Okay, what about you, Brian? I think I think this was a good but not great effort. Um, I, You know, Gitaxian Probe's a, a problem, and it, it goes in a lot of problem decks. Death Shadow, Kiln Fiend, um, these decks get much worse with the absence of Gitaxian Probe. Um, so, so that's a good ban. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think it was time for that card to go. It's just a weird, fundamentally broken magic card that doesn't need to exist in the format. Uh, Grave Troll. What was interesting about Grave Troll, and, and I'm going to steal this from Matt Sperling a little bit, who wrote a quick reply article to the bannings. This was the first time that Watsi kind of acknowledged one of my biggest criticisms of the modern format and that's the kind of strain on sideboards. Um, and, and Dredge was very much straining sideboard, demanding that you played dedicated and strong graveyard hate to be able to compete with Dredge. Um, and honestly, you need those sideboard slots in such an incredibly diverse format like modern. Sideboarding is so important, and being kind of pigeonholed that made you, pigeonholed into giving up those slots made you very matchup dependent. Um, if you know, if you stacked your sideboard full of graveyard hate and you didn't see a dredge deck all day, you were playing this tournament with a huge disadvantage. Um, and and finally, Wizards acknowledged that and said, "This is a problem. We need to free up the sideboard space." So Golgari Grave Troll's going to go. And then Matt Sperling made the very, very, very cognizant point of, "Well, why is Mox Opal still here? Because Mox Opal, you still need affinity hate in your sideboard. There's, there's no way you can show up in a modern tournament without affinity hate and really expect to do well. And it, it's the same exact thing. You, you need to be able to answer this deck, and sometimes you won't play against that deck, and your, those slots are completely wasted. So we're okay with it, this being the case in the case of Mox Opal, but not in the case of Bulgari Grave Troll. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It, it's a good justification for a band. They're correct. If they needed to go one step further, I would be on board with Mox Opal going as well. Also, people hate Lantern Control. I think that deck's amazing, great, fun, exactly the type of magic I want to be playing. Um, most people are not as sick as me, so they don't share my opinion. But if that's the way the majority of the player base feels, hitting Mox Opal would certainly crimp that deck style a little bit too. Um, 
maybe next time. Like I said, good effort, not great. We'll see where it goes from here. I will say for the first time, I'm, I'm a little interested in modern again. I, I think Fatal Push was a big print and could change things a little bit. So I'll poke around with it a little bit, probably get frustrated very quickly and go back to my <laughs> hatred of modern. Um, but good effort. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Okay. Rob, anything to finish us off in, in this segment? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was writing some notes when Doug was talking, and I wrote almost exactly what Brian said. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but why would they just leave a fitting? Like, it's just not a good justification. Like, oh, your sideboard's drained, but then if people play Affinity or Mono Red or whatever, like, these decks are also can just be hated out by, by uh, you know, a specific subset of, of sideboard cards um, in Modern. So, I mean, maybe it's too many things to play with. Like, I was not playing against it and losing all the time. I didn't see everyone playing it. It wasn't like it was hands down, tier one, the best deck. It definitely had its bad matchups. So I, I don't think it was, like, it was warping the format in any way. I had, like, a Ravenous Trap and, like, a, a, a Leyline of the Void or something in my my obs on sideboard and it seems or maybe it's a surgical distraction it seemed fine right like it's just two cards for a deck that and those cards can be good against other matchups too so i, I don't know i i really kind of disagree with with banning grave like a little more degenerate where it's like you know nine ten percent of the metagame is this like weird deck that doesn't actually cast any spells everything just comes into play then it's like, okay, yeah, fine. Maybe something needs to go. But I don't even know if Grave Troll's the right card. Like, Cathartic Reunion or Prized Amalgam seems like a better option if you really want to nerf the deck. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. I, I agree with Doug that the common mention should probably also be banned, but maybe they're just, like, leaving it for a uh, ban cycle to see if, if the Gitaxian Probe was enough to kind of put those decks in check. And then if it is, then, uh, you know, then they'll just leave everything fine. And if, if those decks are still dominating, then they'll they'll ban Become Immense. I mean, a lot of decks get affected when Become Immense gets banned, so it, it'll be a pretty hefty ban. The thing I'm most disappointed about, though, really, is that, like, nothing got unbanned. Like, Bloodbright Elf was untouched, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor was untouched, and there's, like, some other cards, like, even, you know, kind of Brian tried to make the argument for Punishing Fire, which I, I disagree with, but I, I didn't really care what it was. I think there was space to unban something um, and and, you know, try try to, like, bring back some decks that are that have since been dead, right? Like, I think Jace was kind of primed for an unbanning right now. You still have all these very fast aggro decks that don't really care about your four drop. So I, I think he's in a good spot. So I'm not really sure if it accomplished everything they want to do. Uh, we'll see. The format still seems very, very diverse, and I think your sideboard is almost as strained as it was before. So it'll be interesting to see if it affects attendance and, and people's, uh, you know, likability for the format. I don't know. Maybe Watsi was just like Watsi. Just seems very scared about Frontier right now. They're even commenting about it <laughs> in blogs and stuff. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. This just seems like a lot of erratic moves to maybe pull the Frontier people away from that format and go either to modern or, or standard and, and kind of leave that thing alone. Since uh, you know they don't want it to be a thing. Obviously. Final thoughts, Doug. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just kind of shout something out from the chat that Tim said. He said, like, maybe will they be more? Will they be less likely to unban cards in modern since they've had to now reban troll? And I think that's just a cool thing to think about. Like, you know, they take a card, they unban it, and then they've had to reban it. It kind of looks pretty bad for them. So I wonder if there is some uh, trepidation there just on unbannings, which kind of you brought up. You know, maybe they missed some cards in unbannings. That could be something at play right now that they're kind of trying to wade through. So. Just, uh, I think it's a really good point. I just wanted to kind of mention that that Tim said. Yeah, I I totally agree. 
Um, moving on to uh, the last part of this announcement, the big one, uh, the more high-level broad that will have an impact on, on future announcements of, of banning and restricted list, uh, which is they wrote, ban and restricted announcements will now be made both on the Monday after standard legal set pre-releases and five weeks after a pro tour, also on a Monday. So I can see Brian rather ready to go completely nuclear, uh, even though he has to like go against his, his preference. <laughs> it's normal. But Brian, why does this uh, make you so angry? You got to unmute, Brian. Gotta I'm unmute. so angry about this KYT. I, again, I keep muting myself because I know I'm going to yell and just burst out in rage. So I'm glad I muted myself before I did. Um, yeah, this is, this is bad. This is really, really bad. One of the worst moves I've seen from Wizards in a very long time. And let me just run down a couple things it's going to do and call back some past historical precedents. So you know I'm not just making this up. When a deck does well at the Pro Tour, puts out a dominant performance. People on the internet are going to go apoplectic, demanding that this deck be banned. That means that they're, in five weeks, a format does not have time to ripen, it does not have time to adjust, and you do not have time to figure it out. Five weeks is not long enough to complete a cycle. It's nowhere near long enough. So the only possible outcome that can be reached after five weeks would be one of a hasty decision. That, that's all that's available to you, because I'm sorry, you are not going to have all the information after five weeks. And I want to talk about two past formats, one we just dealt with. Marvel would be banned right now if this was in place. I, I firmly believe that. People were so insane after the Pro Tour about that deck. And then you saw how that deck was completely hated out of the metagame until it adapted and started operating in a new fashion. Uh, that was part of the evolution of the deck. And I don't think that was anywhere near complete within five weeks. I think it took longer than five weeks to kind of reach this new final form of Marvel that, Marvel that we see now. Um, another time this would have occurred, I, I'm going way back now, but Pro Tour Berlin won by LSV, which he won with, it was extended, he won with Elves. Um, and there was like six Elf decks in the top eight. It was like one of the worst kept secrets ever. Basically, everyone figured out the deck before the Pro Tour. Everyone had it. And this was when Extended was still a PTQ format, so we had PTQs for the entire season, and Elves was almost a non-factor in that PTQ season. But at the time, people went insane. They're like, this is so broken. It has to get out of the format. This is way too good. Well, no, everyone adapted, and it turns out Elves are really easy to kill. So people packed a ton of eight in their sideboards, and they were able to adapt, and that's part of magic. Five weeks is not enough time to make these decisions. It's only going to lead to bickering, whining on the part of the community and in the worst case scenario wizards giving into that whining and making a hasty decision and honestly i don't care about card value like that's not important to me but some people do and i grew up very poor and had a hard time scraping together money for my magic cards and now i i don't operate like that anymore but i think back to when this would have absolutely ruined my world if i had you know if i was a young kid and i begged my parents to buy me for Emrakul, because I just had to play this Marvel deck, and I finally got them, and they went out of their ways to get them for me, and, and now I can't play them anymore. That's kind of terrible. Like, you know, we're jaded to that, because we're, we're spikes, and especially us older guys who do have disposable income and can kind of get the cards we want. But this will affect, you know, a young kid, an underprivileged kid who just really wants to play Magic, really loves a certain subset of cards. At some point, someone's going to be hurt by it, and it's just not necessary. Like, formats can adapt, they can change, 
this is going to be one of the biggest mistakes Wizards has made, has made in a long time. You'll see the discussion after the Pro Tour, I promise you, because this is going to be a combo-oriented Pro Tour, and people hate combo-oriented formats as much as they bicker for them and say, we want combo back in the game. Well, when they get it, they're going to remember why combo is taken out of the game, and you'll see this occur in five weeks. Wow, th thanks for doing my job, uh, Brian, for uh, making it an easy clip for this week. The, <laughs> one of the worst decisions Wizards has ever made. Rob, do you agree with that statement? I don't know if Rob's also muted. At this yeah, this is, everyone's too impassioned. Everyone has to mute themselves. Oh, yeah. oh, terrible. So, yeah, that's the crazy thing about this week is that, like, the three of us rarely agree on anything, and we're almost agreed on every single point, including this one. This is just a terrible precedent to set. Like, you don't have to have a schedule for, like, fake emergency bans because you came out of the Pro Tour and there was, like, an Eldrazi winterish type of situation, which is also very unlikely. And then you see, like, from the next few uh, GPs that the deck is still very strong, and you're like, screw it, let's preemptively ban something just in case it, it starts to get a little bit worse. Like, that's just not, that's not good. That's not where you want to be. Like, if it gets to there and you need an emergency banning, just, like, asynchronously affect the format. Just say, hey, guys, you know what? This card's too ridiculous. Boom, it's banned. I announce it like a week or two beforehand and say, hey, you know, we're watching this deck, everyone, just so you know, and if things get worse, then something might happen, and then boom, there's a GP, and there's seven of eight copies in the top eight, okay, boom, you know, whatever, Emrakul, Aetherworks Marvel, something is banned. It, like, to just, you're just going to see, like, like Brian said, people are just going to whine and whine and whine every Pro Tour that something's the strongest deck, and I don't want to play against this or that, and that's unfun, and this should be banned, and then we're going to have to deal with it. I mean, I guess it makes content for us to talk about after every Pro Tour, saying how ridiculous some of these comments are going to be. But I don't know. I'm very worried to see how 2017 plays out. And I thought Watsi was kind of doing some pretty good stuff in 2016, and we, we might kind of be backpedaling on some of that progress. So um, I kind of agree with Brian. This might be the worst. I don't know if it's bad as the reserve list, I guess. So second worst decision Watsi's ever made. <laughs> I, I want to hijack for one more second, too. You know what this reminds me of is if you remember the old PTQ system, for a while they implemented what were called special invites. And basically what it was is wizards would randomly choose like four people and then give them a pro tour invite. And the fact that this became a known thing that they did every time left people to lobby for themselves to get pro tour invites It left people to feel disappointed. I remember a friend of mine had five pro tour uh, PTQ top eights in a season and thought he was a lock for special invite. He was so sure because people had been given special invites on the same criteria before. Didn't get one, was heartbroken. When you let people know there's an avenue for kind of skirting the rules and going around the system, they'll look to that avenue continually. They will expect you to do something at that time. And now you've created a precedent that that window is open and this is disastrous. Okay, time to save Watsi. Doug, <laughs> you two are insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> you two like are overreacting to the nth degree right now. I I just want to take a second and bring us back to reality. Okay, this is not the worst decision Watsi's ever made. This is not to be talked about on the same level as the reserve list, and I'm going to explain why. First off, the part we all agree on, because you said we all agreed. I think that the fact that you know they're moving the first banning like forward or whatever is actually a good thing because then people have more time to test for the pro tour. And I think we all agree on that. So I'm going to move right past that because uh, we didn't really talk about it, but th that is a good thing. Like more time to test with the new cards for the pros, like for everyone really to get hyped about the cards. That's good. 
I don't think the point of this five weeks after the Pro Tour is just to retroactively ban standard cards, which is what you guys are making it sound like it's going to be. One thing I'm really, really, really excited for is we can now take these modern changes that we've just made, go test them in modern, see what the format's like, and then see if there's like new bannings or unbannings that we could potentially do. And we don't have to wait another three month uh, window to get new cards in to do this. Like this could be used as another platform for other unbannings. Just having a ban and restricted time frame doesn't mean that you have to use it on standard. Okay. That's my first point. I think like that's just upside. I look at that. Second point, you guys are blowing out of proportions what uh, five weeks after the Pro Tour and what uproar about Marvel was. Go and look at the actual tournaments after the Pro Tour because first Pro Tour out of the gate after, or sorry, GPs, I'm talking about GPs, sorry. First GP out of the gate after the Pro Tour, yeah, like things were still kind of like blue, white, flash, and black, green. And then they started to solidify and Marvel like wasn't a real deck. And there's only three GPs in standard. And then Star City Games had a had an event mid-November, which is about the time this banning would be happening. And this is when the shift in the format was happening where like Marvel was coming back. And second place in that tournament was Jeskai Control. Like the format was like at a reasonable place. I don't think that necessarily any cards needed to get banned at that point unless you felt like Blue White was too strong, which they did because they banned Ecopter or, or whatever. Maybe that's not the reason. Or Emrakul. I, I think that those would have been reasonable little bands then and could have led to some more fun tournaments for us to be playing before new cards came out. So I think you two are personally overreacting a little bit. Yes, it can be used as a retroactive band-aid. That is one of the potential things this could be used as, like for Sahili or for the cat. But that's also upside, I think. So we don't have to sit through, you know, three straight months of some garbage format because we don't have a banned and restricted list. And you know, players can know that if they invest in cards, there's certain windows before they can be banned and unbanned. And yeah, that window's smaller now, but it's better than this idea of just spontaneous bannings because there's a problem. That's not a good solution. I think five weeks, if you have standard tournaments, is a good amount of time to let a format develop and breathe a bit, not get solved, but see, is this is this the deck that dominates the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend? Cause this pro tour, we all thought it was Marvel, but then the next GP was won by green black. And then they had two GPs on the same weekend after that, October 29th, both won by blue white, right? Like, and then green blacks doing good again after that. So the, the format proved it had some tension to it and it wasn't a Marvel format. So I think it's a good thing. I think it has upside for formats other than the Pro Tour format, and Modern is not a Pro Tour format, so it's just pure upside there. And I think you're over-exaggerating the downside. So that's my opinion. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. <laughs> so, I mean, Doug, I think you're missing the fact that this, it's only going to take, like, I agree, having more windows to fix problems is good, but you don't need to map because it happens so infrequently the last standard banning was years ago why do we need this valve here they're basically giving an opportunity for people to whine it's not that like this is a bad thing in general to be able to you know react to bad formats and ban something so tournament attendance doesn't like just drop to nothing it's that as soon as like there's a bunch of whining after a pro tour because someone thinks some card or a bunch of people think some card is oppressive and banned, and then they have like two GPs after, and the, the deck is like still very good, and then they just ban it. 
But it's just like maybe that deck doesn't need to get banned or that card doesn't need to get banned. Like if you just let the format evolve, people will figure out how to beat it. Like look at all this hubbub about Blue White and, and Marvel and stuff. Like the format was already shifting. And I, I'm like very confident that that Green Black was on the verge of, of uh, resurgence on Moto. We were going to see that deck rise in popularity over the next, you know, three or four weeks before um, Aether Revolt comes out to combat the rise and the fact that the aggro decks are doing good and Blue White Flash is doing good and Marvel's doing bad. It's just like, you don't need this valve here. And as soon as they use it once, it's going to be very, very bad. If they use it for modern, yeah, who cares? No one cares um, about the modern ban list that much. They can adjust it at any point in the year. Like, I don't know why they're adhering to this this schedule. Like, it, no one's like, I really hope that we wait up until the next set to get this card banned. It's just like, no, if this deck is just, like, dominating tournaments, just ban it. Like, the modern players are already, like, pretty invested in Magic anyways. They're following along. They're not, like, only pay attention when there's a when there's a set released out. But for standard, like, I don't know, you just, you don't have this problem. You don't need this this banning schedule there, and it's going to create a, a, a point for people to whine and try and get the format changed so that they don't have to think. And it's just going to, it's going to promote lazy designers on, on Wasi's part. It's going to, it's going to promote lazy deck designers on the player's part because they're just going to come out. Everyone's going to play the Pro Tour decks, and then everyone's going to whine that they can't beat it because they don't like to think and something's going to get effective. And I don't know. The volatility in the Magic card prices are already too high. This just might increase that, and I don't think that's... I don't know. If they do nothing and they never use it, then I'm fine. No harm, no foul. But if they use it, like, even once a year, I think it's that's too much. Then they're just uh, adhering to the whining player base instead of, like, actually trying to fix the problem way ahead in, in the design. I don't think it's good. I just don't know what it says where we haven't had a standard banning in what's it been almost four years now, I believe, since Jace was banned, which is a historically relevant card. And now all of a sudden we're we're going to build in this safety valve. Like why? Four, we went four years without a standard banning. And even these standard bandings are like, we're all kind of on the fence about like, nobody's like, yes, this card had to go. And, you know, there, there's some approval of the bands and, and some head scratching. Um, if they wanted to herald in, herald in a new era of management of standard via bands, say that. That's interesting. We can adapt to that. I, I don't think it's correct, but at least we'd be saying that, you know, th that's their approach to standard now. And like, okay, I'll give it a shot. We'll try it out. We'll see how things go under this regime. But they're talking about still having the same bandless philosophies as, as they always did. Just now they have more safety valves. That's really weird to me. And that tells me that they, there's alarm bells going off with this set. And there's alarm bells for me going off with this set too. So I, I get why they're there. But should there be alarm bells going off with this set? Is, is that a good place for design to be in? I don't know. I, I saw some argument on Twitter today. People are uh, pushing for both sides. I think Owen Turnwald was saying that uh, he wishes that they would design cards more safely. And then I think it was Reed Duke saying, no, they should take gambles. This is how you have exciting sets and exciting cards. And when you play too safely, you end up with things like masks and Kamigawa that you know nobody's too into. So... Um, I don't. I, I think my instinct is I would rather have them be risky with their design choices. But I'm going to steal something from Mark Rosewater, and that is that restrictions breed creativity. And the restriction they've always operated in when designing for standard is that they have to not break the format into pieces. They're restricted by that because they can't just go ahead and willy-nilly ban things. Well, now they can. 
So are they going to start breaking the format into pieces? Uh, we'll see. I, I, they're concerned about something. So I, we'll see where this goes. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good to me. I'll tell you that. Two against one, Doug. <laughs> what can I say? I don't know. They're passionate. They're blinded, but that's okay. <laughs> right. I was going to have uh, – man, we were supposed to kick Brian off after half an hour, but uh, – now I did an hour out. with you. KYT, yeah. you're, you're working me to the bone here. I don't oh, yeah, know. yeah, man. That, damn it. Okay. Um, so I'll just keep you on for, for uh, another topic or two. So the so I think we're – that's all we have for the banning for this week. I mean, we can go on and on and on for the next couple of weeks, especially as we see how the format develops, as we see early lists and early dominance of certain archetypes and decks. It's going to be something that we are going to talk about. Like, it's going to be a recurring topic for sure. So we're going to don't have too much time, um, so we're going to dive into a uh, sort of little Twitter war that went on uh, this past week between Todd Anderson and, and uh, PV, although uh, Todd's tweet has been subsequently deleted. And it's when they talk about uh, pros struggling to write or- articles or content leading up to a pro tour uh, because they don't want to release any information that they want out during their preparation a lot of them if they discover a certain draw spell is superior strictly superior to another one that's something that if they took some hours or maybe even days and weeks of testing to figure that out to make that switch that's something that they just don't want to release in just one quick statement so that uh the masses have access to to that information prior to the pt so pv just talked about like what should i write about leading up to that I think Brad, and we have Brad's tweet here, if you can't give the people what they want, then who are you actually writing for? Take the week off, uh, to which PV replies, all the replies that come to mind are very offensive, so I'm just going to say thank you for the suggestion. Now, we talked about on, I think, two episodes ago, it was me, Brian, and one of you, gentlemen, I forget, about the state of uh, MTG content and the struggles um, with being able to provide like just a lot of pros are just withholding outside of jerry right brian we talked about jerry t is willing to give you the exact 75 or or the 75 as of time of writing the article what he plans to play at the next scg open but most people are not going to give you anything of what they're going to play so i i do understand pv struggle um what do you make of all this brian well um so I kind of I, I lauded Jerry for sharing his technology, and I, I said that's one of the reasons he's been one of my favorite writers. But that being said, he's—I mean, I don't—I don't know this certainly. I, I haven't spoken to him in the past few days, but I don't think he's planning on telling you what he's going to play at the Pro Tour, and he shouldn't. That's insane. I—I I don't know if it's because Todd's removed from the Pro Tour or like he's being very idealistic about it. You—you you can't give that information before a Pro Tour. You have. You often have so many other teammates working with you, um, depending on the results of your testing that are dictating for many guys, the outcome of their careers. For me, this is a hobby. For some people, this is their career, uh, especially the people who write at these high profile sites, people like PV. Um, I, I don't, I just don't think he's being realistic. Like there's, there's nobody who's heading into a PT. I mean, I, I showed up at the, uh, the last PT I played in and, there was a good friend of mine from my hometown playing in the Pro Tour. 
and he, just before he's like, "What are you playing in the Pro Tour?" And I said, "I'm not going to tell you in case we play each other." Like this is a, a good friend of mine, one person, and I wasn't willing to tell him in case we played against each other in the Swiss rounds. Like I, I certainly wouldn't be publishing my decklist on um, on the internet going into the Pro Tour if I had a wide reader base. I just don't. I think if the shoes were switched and Todd was qualified for the Pro Tour right now, he wouldn't seriously be advocating for this. You can't seriously advocate for this. Secrecy is key to the Pro Tour. You can talk about other issues. There's enough issues in Magic that you can talk about every week without saying specifically, this is the technology we're working on for this Pro Tour. And also, like most people don't really need to know what your decklist is going to a Pro Tour. There's not many events. What is there? Usually like one SCG leading into a Pro Tour. So it's relevant to 900 people on the planet. <laughs> and everyone else competing in the Pro Tour. I don't, I don't know. This is, this is a crazy argument. Todd's completely off his rocker. Uh, this is the, basically the equivalent of my unman everything in modern argument. It's just not logical. It's not going to happen. <laughs> He's drunk on Fireball, whatever his alcohol of choice is. But, nah. I just remembered you, you didn't give me any, you didn't tell me anything for a Pro Tour Vancouver. I was, I was by myself. I was like, Brian. Please, man, I'm your boy. <laughs> I, I worked. I worked with the team. I had a commitment to them not to share our information, and I didn't. I, that's just one of the things you sign up for when you sign up for a pro tour team. If I was by myself, maybe I would have told you. Maybe not. Maybe I would have been concerned about playing you, like I did. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just it's a very flawed argument. Okay. Rob, did you want to chime in? Yeah. It, like, is Todd cued for anything? I, I I don't know. Like if if he's cued for something, I would love for him to publish his team's deck list and see how that how that flies. Like go ahead and do it, bro. I, I want to see what happens. Like you'll never be on another pro team again. Like there's just no way that they're gonna publish that information. I completely agree with Brian. It's completely ludicrous. So and and, and saying that like PD should take the week off from writing just because he doesn't want to release his deck list like the week before the PT because that's what the people want to see is completely ludicrous as well. Like PD's insane at magic. He has infinite amount of things to write about that are not deck lists leading up to the PT. And plus everyone wants to see how the format evolves at the PT. Just because PV thinks this deck is good doesn't mean it's good at all. Sometimes CFB just completely scrubs out of the event. So who really even cares about seeing that information ahead of time? Like I want to see it in the ring with the other 450 players that are queued to see what floats to the top that has that 8-2 or 9-1 record or, you know, I don't know, 9-0-1 or 10-0 as they sometimes go to understand like what, what is actually good. So, I, I mean, who, who is this even for? Who wants to know this information ahead of time? Like there's only 450 people queued. They're the only people that actually care what everyone else is playing. Everyone else is fine to just wait until the Saturday or Sunday to see the deck list. Like it, I don't know. It's just it's completely insane. I mean, plus the EV for writing is is way less than the EV for them actually, like for the team performing well. If they if they kind of hit the jackpot and get it right. So I mean, until that changes, like I don't see why you'd want to do that. If the EV for writing was way better than anything you could win at the at the PT, then you'd have all the pros flocking, you know, to, to, to dump their deck list down because they'd be getting paid more on average to just like submit these articles than they would be winning at the PT. But that's obviously not the case, right? So I don't know, Todd, start a new website and pay these guys thousands of dollars to release their deck list ahead of time. Like I don't know, it's just <laughs> my brain hurts thinking about it. It's just so insane. Super. Someone in the chat said like some mega expensive paywall 
<laughs> yeah, like maybe that's what Todd wants. PD should start up a mega paywall, and it it only can invite Todd, and Todd can pay fifteen hundred dollars each PT to see their TFP deck list if he want. If he really wants it, you know, and he can have access to it. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, Doug. I think that another thing that's just so stupid about the comment is if, let's say, you know, if let's say PV gave in and posted today what their current deck list that they're at, and like if the PT was today, this is what I'd play. And let's imagine that deck list was great. Let's just go down this rabbit hole. What that would do is it would then warp the format to a point that by the time the PT even happens, that that list probably isn't the best list anymore just by nature of it warping it. Like, that's what happens when you come out of any Pro Tour. So, yeah, exactly like Rob just said, you need to throw it in the gauntlet and you need to have everyone, like, battling with what they brought. Because, like, I can remember pretty vividly back to a Pro Tour, I believe it was Montreal, when Saito wasn't, like, re-queued again, but he was playing a lot. And he just, like, posted this red-green deck with Burning Tree Emissaries and and the the 2-2 two, two that becomes a 3-3 three, three um, if you have a mountain that can get haste, flint with boar. And, like, he posted this list and within a matter of a week, the entire like landscape of the format changed. And coming into the Pro Tour, the decks that were reacting to the fact that the masses had access to this red-green beatdown deck were way different than what they were the week before. And people were still playing modified versions of this red-green deck in top eighting, or or in the case of Efro, like barely missing top eight or whatever. Or maybe he did top eight. Who cares? But um, my point is like it would not even serve us justice as the viewers to see what their list is right now because it wouldn't end up even being accurate anyways. So there's, there's even no point. And maybe the whole comment of take the week off could go back. I missed the week uh, where you guys talked about magic content. And, And I think that that could be potentially a way of frustration being communicated for, um, the state of articles. And I'm not, like I'm not riffing on PV specifically, but you know when we think about what what was the phrase temporally relevant content or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, when we, think, when we think about like the the Flores type articles that aren't necessarily about deck lists and they're not necessarily about um, specific cards mechanics, but they're more about uh, theory and mental game and the craft. Like we're lacking that in this community and. Um, I was listening to the podcast uh, when I was driving to and from work. It's a short commute, but I, you know, every few days. And I remember sitting in my car being like, yeah, like we need better writers and it doesn't have to be the pros. Let the pros go on the battlefield and show us the best and get some good writers who can teach us some of these other aspects of magic that are taken for granted and, and, and have players learning from both observation and coaching and training. And like, there's, there's a market somewhere. I don't know how to do it, but Sending the deck lists out now does nothing. It it hurts the team potentially. It changes the landscape. It's just stupid. And honestly, I think Todd just wanted attention, which we've just given him. So, Doug, do you know what's funny is that? Do you know who the best writer of kind of the non temporally relevant stuff is in all of Magic right now? It's PV. PV. <laughs> I know. Without but... question, he, like, That's he's, why I'm it... not riffing on him. I'm just like no, I no, think it's I, a great. I, I totally understand, but it's just like of all the people to like assault for not providing temporally relevant content you're going to go after the guy who consistently puts out the best like big picture strategy articles going in the game right now like he if anything he's the exception to my gripes like he provides some top-notch stuff that people could really benefit from and you're telling him don't bother writing this week like who are you like get off get off twitter go do something else and i guess he did he deleted the tweet so 
you know, I'm not going to beat him down. He probably realized his mistake, but... But, like, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to get is, like, I think magic content, like, article-wise, is so poor that a lot of yeah. people just aren't reading anything. And if you're not reading yeah, TV stuff, you you might not know, you know, so... And that's an awful argument, but I think it's relevant. I don't read anything anymore, personally. I just don't. I listen to podcasts, but I'm not reading stuff these days because most of it, most of it is just not good. But Jerry's and PV's are two that... Uh, but definitely I give thumbs up to I I concur with those two. And Flores, obviously. <laughs> right. Every show I've been on, we just like Flores. I I can't. And you know that's why he likes the show, right? It's because we keep mentioning him all the time. But we gotta cut him off. That's it. We have to see if he's actually a true fan and just make sure we don't mention him next week. I don't want him to come up at all. <laughs> it's just uh I don't know, I can't I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm I'm one of I'm one of he put me as one when I was just starting out, he put me as one of the testimonials for that uh audio book package that he did there's like if you look at it it's kind of funny to see my name there because it's like john fickle <laughs> alex hayden kyt <laughs> okay we're gonna wrap up with the final uh topic that's just for doug and rob reviewing the blue white versus green black delirium topic we had a bunch of episodes ago and uh, Rob already put his argument out. I think, I think the topic was either what we thought was the best deck moving forward or slash what's the better deck to invest your monies in. And Rob said, well... Yeah, Green, with, green Black's best deck. Your deck's banned. Yeah, the deck's banned. So cool. does he win, Doug? What do you think? <laughs> of course he doesn't win. He very clearly <laughs> lost. And uh, Watsi, you know, their tweet said why they're banning Reflector Mage and Copter. I mean, come on. Uh, we're, we're looking at a deck that ended up, as I explained earlier, diversifying and reshaping itself, which I was mocked and laughed off for. And no, you know, the two decks were always close. Um, you know, Rob had a lot of great points. And yes, the bannings obviously hurt Blue White more than the Emrakul banning, but I think Blue White was a better deck. I think it proved to be a better deck based on results. And I think that it's gone because it was a you know it was a super strong deck. But obviously the Reflector Mage bannings we've talked about wasn't just for Blue White. So I still stand firm. I was correct. You two at, at least you both always agree with each other, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that, that the format was very close to coming back around to Green Black being a major contender in the meta, but WotC is banning everything on Moto like immediately. <laughs> so we're not even really gonna be able to see if if my argument held any merit. I mean I did predict that when Marvel if Marvel increases to a point where it's very successful, you will see a resurgence in like Mardu uh, or Red Black Agro decks and blue white flash and that's exactly what happened like uh, aetherworks is down like 10 percent those other decks are up like five to ten points um which is really just it's a prime spot for green black to come in and not need to worry about aetherworks like i i go through leagues like pretty regularly and there's many leagues where i don't play against um you know i don't play against an aetherworks decks at all i play against like a blue black control two aggro decks and two blue white flash decks and if I was, uh, you know, in the league, I, I mean, I really kind of want to be playing green black in that situation. And so I almost, I was very, very close to just buying all the green black cards uh, last weekend and switching over to playing like a green black delirium deck. But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I will now because Copter's banned. So it's got to be the best deck for a week, right? <laughs> there's no Emrakul uh, and there's no blue white deck. So 
Um, I don't know. Like maybe an investment on Moto for a one-week time span is Grim Flayer and Ishkana. Get in now. <laughs> Make some coin. <laughs> I mean, Grim Flayer is probably a good investment also, though, based on, like, maybe in modern with Fatal Push, John. So you're probably right, but... Whoa. I didn't think about I'll that. I'll take it. Okay. Hold I'll on. Take it. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> End the feed. <laughs> yeah, they banned my deck. So, yeah, you're right. Yours is not the best. You win. <laughs> Uh, cider scoop <laughs> alright that's going to do it for our show I think a lot of people mentioned Doug if I was doing a third giveaway and uh, I'm thinking about it since we did hit uh, 40 viewers at some point which is by far our all time high I think the highest we ever hit was uh, in the high 10s but now there's like too many people in the chat for me to really conceivably do a draw so I think what I'm going to do is just leave Give the video a thumbs up, leave a comment, and then I'm just going to make a draw out of people who leave a comment on the YouTube video, and I'll decide the winner by by next week. So that's the episode for this week. These guys have been awesome in attacking this this ban list, and uh, we're just going to say goodbye. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to do the draw now. We'll see you for episode nine. Once again, you can catch us on any podcast app or next Monday on this YouTube channel, Man Deprived TV at 9 p.m. Eastern. So ciao, guys. Bye.